What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitch. We're live on X, formerly known as Twitter. Or maybe you're listening to us later on Apple or Spotify or Android or wherever you get your podcast. It's all good. And I'll tell you what, it is midway through the month. But we got a thing that we do once a month. And we haven't been together for a couple of weeks now. Um, at Usually at the beginning of the month, we pay tribute to some of the fine folks that support us at patreon.com slash comic book club. Anybody at the $5 and up level, we read out their names as a bit of thank you. We, of course, thank absolutely everybody. But we want to do that here. So why don't we get into it and kick it off with Oidis Larson. Aaron C. Hollis. Adam DeRose. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. Amanda Harris. Andrew Primo. Ashy G. Beercat PhD. Benjamin Brown. Carly W. Carrie Matthews. Chris Leatherman. Christina Jeremillo. Christina Rensfield. Chris Terralizzi. Clemens Luer. Dan Snow. Daniel Cabral. Daniel Fuentes. Daniel Warden. Danny Hack. Debbie Gloom. Dennis Scott, Derek Mainhart, Doug Sataway, Dylan LJ, Eduardo Martinez, Emma Quish, Enrique Chumpis, Jeffrey Risher, Gerard de Villiers, Ian Rainey, Ian Rainey, shouts, double it up, not a mistake, it's real, Ian's there twice, he loves it, Isaac Carter, Jake Fry, James Connolly, Jaron Townsend, Jason Donahue, Jeffrey Whaley, John George. John Jen Henderson. Jonathan Jong. Jonathan McCool. Joshua W. Broxon. Joshua Wright. Joshua Wright, probably twice. Oh, my God. You guys, just roll with it. Julian Lobato. <laughs> Casey Newhaven. Kelby. Kevin Kleinrock. <laughs> Karen Broderick. Cody Thomas. Luana Thomas. Lucas Sink. Matt Tice. Matthew C. Hernandez. Matthew De Palma, Michael McAuliffe, Michael Tillman, Nelson Kelso Martinez, Nick G, Grayson, actually different, official uh, CBC chef, Brett Macris, aka Straight Bullet. Uh, give Pete some space for that one. Omnia Soul Art, Orin Dix, Provocative Ambulance. Ooh, stunned <laughs> by that many letters so close together. Rev Mikey, Robert Petnato. Roxanne Tyler. Shouts to my mom, Riley Trahan. Oh! Sarah Schottmuller. Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. Stanley. Tamila Rush. Taylor Bryan. The Big Flood. The Twelve Bench. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. William Leach. Zachary Bachman. And Zika's Viral Comics. Thank you to all of those folks. And once again, thank you to anybody who supports us at patreon.com slash comic book club for as low as $2 a month. You get access to our Patreon Slack where we argue all day about comic books and movies and food. And Truly. Like that. Very fun. And you also get access to our back catalog of podcasts from 2011 all the way through 2022, soon to be updated all the way through 2023. That is literally thousands of podcasts, many that are not online elsewhere anymore. So please support us. It really, really helps. There is a lot of cost that goes into the show. So any amount of money you could throw our way would be And that's why the, we especially shout out the people supporting us twice. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. Oh my God. 
<laughs> they're the best. So cool. We'll read out their names and get at the end of the show, right? Yeah, yeah I like always. Yeah, we'll I'm always reading that. I'm like at the end of the night, it's like a reverse aria. Mm-hmm. I say that list of names in a positive way. I'm yeah. not going to kill those people. I'm going to love them. One hundred. The, the Kobe got me when you were like Kobe. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh okay. that's I, what you are. I see. Uh, well, listen, we have a lot of guests tonight, so I do want to get to them later in the show. Nander Fox Schaefer is going to be here, as well as Jake, Jason Michael Primrose. But first. Ooh. I want to kick it off with somebody who only has two names. Uh, he is the creator of Depths, which is point. currently on Zoop. Wells Thompson. Wells, hey. welcome to welcome. Also, welcome. not to not to overly correct, I have four names. Uh, oh, do you? Scott wow. William what? Randolph Thompson is my full name. Wells, wow. Wow. wow, that's epic. Boom. And how'd you end up in Wells? It's a whole different name. It's a whole story. Don't worry about it. Is. <laughs> you no, love what? making wishes. You're looking for. You love that scene in Goonies when they the jacket comes up. Exactly. You love Wells. Yeah, you got it, man. Uh, well, listen. I before we get into it, we don't we don't do this for everybody. Uh, but our official <laughs> chef Brett Macris wants a show. He'll usually either curate or create a drink for the show. And this show, he was particularly inspired by the cover of your book, Depths. Ooh. Uh, so here, I'm going to bring it up here. Created a drink called The Depths. On the cover, you got a guy in a champagne glass. So this is served in a champagne glass. You can use Prosecco, Aperol, Amaro, uh, a saline solution because it mm-hmm. takes the ocean, orange bitters, and a big old orange peel, and you mix them all together. Sounds very delicious. Um, I did not make it because I did not have Prosecco around. Justin, did you make this one this week? I didn't, but I'm going to because I'm very intrigued by the uh, saline nature of this. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Drink for your book, The Depths. I'm sure it's great, just like this book, which we're going to talk about right now. So this is... I'm on... a bartender, so I was looking at that like, oh, that actually looks yeah. kind of good. <laughs> oh, we'll send it to you. We'll send it your way. Uh, so it's right... Just real quick on that, Alex. Yeah. I was feeling bartender energy from your book. The uh, uh, the page here uh, is very bartender, like you can sense the experience right in there. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I'll take that as a compliment. Well, as a former bartender <laughs> as well. To be clear, this book isn't completely about bartending. What it actually is about is a guy who gets trapped under the ocean for three years and his friend who comes after them. You're dealing with depression. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with some serious issues. It seems like an undersea adventure at the same time. Talk about the inspiration of the book a little bit. Uh, Yeah, it was sort of born out of a period of me and my friend Dalton's life. He's my co-writer on this. Uh, Right after we graduated from college, where we were trying to kind of hold on to our, you know, sense of wanting to create stuff, wanting to be creative. But being away from that community aspect, we didn't have workshops to lean on anymore. We didn't have people around. uh, And that feeling of like isolation of trying to, to strike out on your own. Um, we've both struggled with, uh, anxiety, depression, mental health issues. And so it was something that resonated with us quite a bit. Uh, Dalton had this idea or just this image pop in his head of a guy trapped underwater in, in this old timey diving suit. And we ran with it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very much about trying to, uh, survive in a hostile environment, which is, is what, you know, uh, life in isolation often feels like whether you're underwater or living through a pandemic or just uh, striking it out on your own for the first time. 
Hmm. Um, I did want to ask you about just sort of the logistics here, and maybe this is something that gets uh, delved into in the book, but what was involved in figuring out, okay, how does a person survive under the ocean? For years? <laughs> I yeah. mean, there's, there's, there's definitely a, a, you know, a little dash of just like roll with it. Um, mm. It's, you know, it's not a hundred percent meant to be, uh, you know, literal. Uh, it's 1930s technology. There's no way this could have worked. Uh, but there is, there is some uh, explanation given. Um, the idea is in order to create kind of a, a perpetual, uh, oxygen situation you would need to put a current through water to separate out the oxygen and, and uh hydrogen spit the hydrogen out feed yourself oxygen you theoretically as long as you can put the co2 somewhere uh you theoretically have uh an infinite breathing supply uh it's which is similar to how submarines work but slightly different um wow and then uh you you know account for <laughs> there's just like a pocket that he shoves food into and that's supposed to like grind it up and, and feed it to him. Um, again, it's, it was like, you're just going to have to roll with it to pass a certain point. Uh, but once you hand wave that, it's much more about like, you know, what, what, what are the mental tasks of survival at the bottom of the ocean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, it's, uh, it's a lot of, it was a lot of fun to work on and a lot of fun to think through kind of the logistical challenges of it. Well, not to get too personal about it, and if you don't feel comfortable, obviously don't talk about this. But... I'm comfortable with anything. Okay, great. Ah. <laughs> so you're you're saying these are real emotions and real things that you went Absolutely. through with depression and anxiety. What then is it like returning to those emotions to write them through characters? Uh, I mean, in a way, it's uh, in a, it can be really heavy just because you have to kind of put yourself back there to, to explore what's going on but it can be really freeing and therapeutic as well uh and I, I think more the the talking about it like in a promotional sense is heavier than the exploring it through fiction that was the really like freeing and and sort of uh cathartic part of it all uh when i have to every day get on twitter which is already a mistake to to say like hey <laughs> check out this book that's about overcoming depression it's like oh man this is this is a bummer <laughs> <laughs> uh it's and it is about that it's also just a it's it's all a lot of things at once it's a really solid just like adventure story where you 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 know about surviving under the sea it's a sort of coded metaphor for depression and it's uh, a really uh interesting period piece uh kind of all stuck together well what, what drew you to this time period as well because um there's a lot of uh, time periods to be under the sea i, uh, I, to be I think we wanted it sort of it, first of all i i love this that era the the sort of like post-World War I uh, to Great Depression kind of uh, aesthetic and and what was going on in uh, the Western world at that point. Um, thematically, uh, you know, the Great Depression was a great time to set it in, uh, as, as which is like, there's the obvious pun, but, but it also <laughs> creates like legitimate uh, logistical concerns for the, uh, for, for the characters. Like, they don't have infinite money to throw around to look for for a mill. It's also so like further back in the past, you can kind of imagine, you know, we had that incident with the submarine uh, a, a few 
you know, how long ago was that? I don't know what time is anymore. It, it was either like a couple so of, long ago yeah. or yesterday. It, it, it was either like... it was either last month or like two years ago, and I can't remember which. But um, no, the 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 idea like we would have tabs on that. We would have news. There would be like we would be able to track it to some extent, or it feels like it, if it were today. Whereas 1930s, if it's gone, it's just like well what can we do <laughs> well uh, i mean back then that was like their space they were like can you imagine ever yeah. going deeper than 10 feet underwater <laughs> and and it was like the the frontier they were like we'll never go up in the sky why don't we just go down all the Absolutely. way to um sequest dsv a show about star trek that was star trek underwater Absolutely. at the end of that yeah and that's where we finished up and then we were done with the sea then we were like we get the sea we've caught it false we know very little about the ocean which is one of the reasons why it was really a cool place to set things and why i'm shocked more things aren't set in the deep ocean because it's such a weird naturally you don't have to invent a lot of stuff like create any weird aliens for underwater they're all just like that <laughs> so it's really easy to to come up with really interesting scenarios and cool stuff to put on a page when you're dealing with the deep ocean uh it is amazing how much about how much of the ocean we still don't understand yeah. and then it's like <laughs> yeah there's giant squids under there and we're like quite shr shoulder shrug giant squids are like the least weird thing you can well find then the when you were the when you were ocean. researching for this book was there anything in particular that shocked you or blew your mind under to see right? i mean i've been uh doing like research about deep ocean uh for as long as i can remember i i grew up super obsessed with sharks so that was like my first thing that i wanted to be was a marine biologist um and i so so it wasn't already it was just like oh you want to do an underwater thing this is not foreign territory to me um i don't I don't know. There's nothing down there that makes me like, oh my god, that's insane. I'm just like, yeah, that tracks. Um, <laughs> learning that wow. there's a fish that's two inches long that's basically all teeth, or that uh, those angler fish that you think of aren't like the size of a football. They're like the size of a truck. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff down uh, that uh, you you sort of uh, learn to expect <laughs> when it comes to weird stuff under the ocean. Uh, I, but also in doing this, I got to, you know, uh, interact with a bunch of people whose job it is to, uh, like research underwater stuff and ask them about, you know, what their favorite biodiversity is and what kind of animals live at this range and, and what would be the concerns. Um, That's and it's, it wasn't like it was all stuff that blew my mind, but it was all just like, that is intensely, I could live, I could live the rest of my life just researching this book. And it would be worth it. It would be I so gratifying. So, so many cre creative projects we all pursue. It's like, I'm writing this. I'm more interested in just talking to people about this for my life. Yeah. Uh, write this thing. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a gateway talker. Uh, speaking of which, let's gateway talk about the Zoop campaign and what is involved there. Because as mentioned, you got eight days left at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, what you're hitting crunch time, you are Let's hitting crunch time. Let's do it. You've got the physical yeah. book, you've got a couple of cute little stickers here. Here, let me actually, I'll bring up the screen. But yeah, Douglas Police through <laughs> what people can expect. The yeah, the, the style of the uh, book is super grounded and and looks very, um, you know, uh, uh, 
look, looks very like one to one. And then you have Douglas, who is out of like a Saturday morning cartoon. And we, we wanted to do that because the book is deals with some heavy themes and and has a lot of like, you know, we, we talk a lot about grief and depression about the book, but it's not only that. And we wanted something to communicate that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Douglas is a character in the book. He's a giant Pacific octopus that sort of acts like Emil's dog underwater. <laughs> and so we thought it would be uh, a lot of fun to make him sort of the the actual mascot of the book. Uh, so yeah, uh, you can get a sticker and an enamel pen that says Douglas believes in you. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Uh, well, what is this last week like then? What is your big game plan? If anything, come on podcasts, I guess. <laughs> podcasts are definitely it. Uh, uh, just making sure people are aware of the campaign and, and the fact that we're, we're sort of in the last, uh, uh, space to get it, uh, calling on people who, uh, who backed in the past? This this was a uh, campaign before on Kickstarter. Uh, mm-hmm. Raised raised close to fifteen thousand dollars. If we get that uh, volume back, we'll already have it and more. Uh, yeah, we just need to spread the word as much as possible. Awesome. Well, happy to hopefully give you the vaunted CBC bump here. I guess we'll see so. uh, Wells, congratulations on the project. It's very yeah. cool. so much. Uh, good luck. Very Fingers cool. crossed. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you. Enjoy the cocktail. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. We'll do it. Yeah, I'll send it your way. All right. Thanks, Wells. Later. All right. There we go. Once again, the project is called Depths. It's on Zoop for eight more days as we're taping. If you're listening later, it's not eight days. It's less than that. So get on it. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that Zoop. That's urgency, like to Alex. Say. It is urgency. Uh, speaking of urgency, let's go. Uh, I, funnily enough, I think we're actually going in descending order of days. Uh, so why don't we go over to our next guest, who is returning guest, Nandor Fox Schaefer. Nandor, hey. welcome. Hello. Hey, guys. Uh, good Hello. to have you it's... back again, talking about a new project, The Fabled Offering, which is on Kickstarter right now. And you, um, I don't know if this happened earlier today or if it already happened, but you passed your goal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank Congrats. you, thank you. Yeah, it was, um, it was, uh, I think it was Sunday. It was over the weekend okay. where we uh, passed our goal, and which is great, especially going into the last week of a campaign. You can kind of um, relax a little bit. You know, you're not as stressed out. You're not waking up in the middle of the night. You know, like beating yourself up for like, what did I do wrong, or what's you know what's look. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's great to be in this place. I think this is my only my second campaign that i've ever done where we funded at least like a week or two before it ended so uh, i'm feeling really really excited and proud of it awesome Awesome. Uh, we'll talk about the project a little bit this and i know this isn't exactly you but i love the visuals of this book in particular yeah Yeah. just like so So specific in terms of the art style the story obviously is very specific as well but talk about the project and how it came together Yes. So the fabled offering, uh, was my, uh, you know, I I approach all my books somewhat as experiments. I'm always trying to challenge myself as a writer, as a creator and do, uh, you know, do something different. And, and if you look at my past work, you see how the fabled offering is nothing like it. And it is, uh, kind of my, my stab at the fantasy, uh, sci-fi genre and trying to do a little genre mashup with those things and, and, you know, take what I love about both of them and put them in a very character driven story. I wanted to um, do a story about 
a warrior princess who is Aurelia there and uh, who has just gotten done fighting this this big war, um, this huge war that uh, her kingdom was was fighting with this other race called the Macmol. And uh, she's in this place where, uh, you know, she is she is done fighting. She has finished. She has accomplished her mission, but she doesn't know what to do with herself now. She's, uh, you know, she's in this place of um, directionlessness, you know, and, and trying to figure out what what she needs to do. And that's where we find her in the story. And then we learn um, that uh, later on that she um, becomes a mother and she is pregnant in the story and she is on a quest to save herself and her kingdom um, from her own past trauma. And she is uh, trying to attempt to get to um, Kefira mountain, which is this mount uh, to meet this ancient deity. And, you know, this is a story that all, all my stories are very character driven and all of them are birthed from, um uh soul characters kind of uh struggles and and what 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 their desires are and, and trying to uh give them a sense of agency and and have them face really difficult choices um as we all do in our own lives and um so Aurelia has to really face an impossible decision in this book and and figure out how to um you know cope and uh accept her own decisions and her choices I love a wow. good uh, quest uh, comic, and this is epic, man. This really not only looks, but uh, sounds amazing. So congratulations. Uh, speaking of sounds amazing, real quick, we got a comment here from YouTube. Michael Tillman says, kudos to Nandor's microphone, Chef Kiss. <laughs> yeah, well, thank is. you. Yeah. It is. I, uh, I've, I've had so many. Yeah, I've had so many people um, tell me I need to do my own radio show or like podcast or something and, and they're like they're like you have the smoothest voicing voice in comics and i need to i need to use that tagline and like use it for mm -hmm. myself like the smoothest voice in comics yeah i want to hear like an epic histories told by uh, somehow yeah uh Real well or made up to get back to this book really quickly before we get back to talking about your microphone again uh so this is <laughs> I mean, you said she becomes a mother over the course of the story. Um, I do yeah. love this very iconic sort of image of a pregnant warrior. Was that yeah. what it started with, or did that grow out of the development of the story? Oh yeah, no, that was the complete you know centerpiece to the story. I thought you know we we've seen you know warrior princess types, we've seen um, you know just just a standard warrior, and um, but. We, we don't really see, um, you know, pregnant main characters and stories. And there's a, you know, there's a good reason for that. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But, um, you know, it, it really captivated me. I was like, what, like, the stakes are high in a, in a journey of, of, of any, you know, struggle and, and hardship. But the stakes are even higher when you have a character that is not only defending their life, but the life of their unborn child. And, and just like, what would cause someone to go on this journey by themselves without any support from her kingdom or, or, you know, anyone there with her? Um, you know, what it, it adds, uh, for me, it added a lot of like mystery and intrigue to what her own motivations might be. And also why she would go to such lengths to put herself in this position where she's so vulnerable. Uh, while we're talking characters, can you talk about the creation of who I'm calling eyeball mouth because uh <laughs> he is it, that strikes me as a character that you would have a nightmare about and very quickly write it down and then try to go back to sleep 
Yeah, uh, he's such a, uh, or I should say, they um, are such mm. a interesting character because um, uh, it's this is our deity character. This is our our uh, transcendent being called Sizen, and he is the the ever witness or the uh, Sendeo Mai is what what I call him uh, in the book, and he is this character um, that uh represents the the past present and future he's somewhat of a of a time deity and uh you see the three faces there represent the past present and future and um so when you are when when he is in the the story in the book um he's coming from like in the situation that we're in he's seeing it from all these different timelines and perspectives and which is a really interesting idea that I wanted to play with because when we're reading a comic, you know, we're so locked into the present moment. I thought it'd be interesting to write a character that would necessarily know the outcome or wouldn't know the outcome and have that conversation with themselves uh, while the, Mm. while the uh, situation is actually happening. And um, yeah, I wanted to, uh, this was one of the most fun character designs to try to come up with and, and take, uh, like so the crown is like this this ruby crown of thorns basically that uh, where it has perpetual blood that is just like flowing down the veil of Sizen and and um we see that you know he has this eye in his mouth and and of course the veil is covering where his eyes would be um and uh the eye is there because i just thought it was like a very uh you know it it strikes you right there and you're like that's creepy and that's a little scary and that's a little weird and you know it just um it it just was like why not why not do that why not try to take advantage of every part of you know what we would know to be like a body or a human body and try to like deform it and change it and make it a little different and you know because uh again since this is a deity type character they're not necessarily bound by our own you know mortal or, or human type of uh confines so um yeah, yeah there's there's a lot of uh a lot of complexity to the character and um really such a like my my take on trying to do an awesome like version of of a uh, uh, sauron or emperor palpatine or whatnot yeah well it feels like it takes that and sort of gives us a more elevated uh, metaphor or mythological metaphor um because if yeah. i were him i would wipe that blood off of my uh, veil. <laughs> uh but uh but maybe there's a more metaphorical reason why he's not or probably they're not um but let me ask you um you in on your uh kickstarter page you reference uh, yes. you have, uh, some of your uh things that are um that fans of these uh projects might be interested in the fabled offering you have Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Dune, Dungeons and Dragons, huge loves. You also have Seven to Eternity here, and that one stuck out yes. for me. I'm curious how that uh, the the Rick Remender um, series. I'm curious why why that one is is much more of a niche. Uh, I feel like comic. What what um, aspects of that? Drew? Is it that everybody dies and it's terrible for everybody? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, it, there's there's a lot of reasons uh, why I, I singled that one out. You know, that's the only comic uh, in, in the list there. Um, everything else is, you know, rather, rather a role-playing game or a movie or whatever and, or novel series. And the reason why um, Seven New Eternity is there is because that was really the first comic that I read that was a fantasy comic that what like absolutely blew my mind and made other fantasy mm. comics uh it put them to shame in in my eyes like <laughs> i was like this is, yeah. this is peak uh storytelling for this for this kind of genre and you know i love i love a good fantasy story you know i i, I appreciate them and i you know I, I get lost in them but um a lot of the time i find that with fantasy stories, um, the the creators they get more so lost in the lore of it or the world, and they don't necessarily take enough time with the characters. And that's something that Rick Remender did with Seven to Eternity. That just like it it changed the way I thought about storytelling, and it changed the way I thought about telling a fantasy story. And that's why, um, and it was very gritty and dark, and and you know, I mean, an emotional roller coaster, um, in every sense of the of that term. Like I, I was reading it, and my my jaw was dropping, and I was like getting tears, like teary eyed, reading it because it was such yeah. like a, you know, a cut to the jugular. It just he just went for it, and so um, when, when I read it, I was like. Oh, I want to do that. I want to do something like that. Like it, it just, it really, it, it, you know, it kicked my, my butt into gear and was like, okay, if I want to do a story in these genres, you know, and kind of play, play around with them, like what, what could I do with that? And so it kind of lit a fire under me and, and, you know, I don't think this book, you know, I, I've always loved the genres, but I don't think the fabled offering would exist or be what it is without seven to eternity. So it's a, out of out of all of those um inspirations i think that is the one that uh i would always go to and, and say without this you know this wouldn't exist that's awesome i love that book and it sounds like you do too and if this is sort of in that family of stories i'm very excited to read the full volume yeah yeah me too and nander i'm very excited for you you got the three days left like we said on the kickstarter people can still pledge but you're successful you got the money so you're going to make the comic book at this yeah. point how how dud is it i mean what what's sort of the timeline here in terms of when people can expect the book yeah for sure so um the art is about 60 to 70 percent done um and we're gonna finish that up you know the, the story's already written all ready to go and um once uh marco robin is done with the artwork which should be done uh, i'd say in a few weeks to a month um we should have the, the the goal and the plan is to have the book done and shipped out to backers and fulfilled by early next year probably like february march at the very latest um and the awesome. only reason it might change a little bit is because where uh mark marco doesn't want to leave the book he doesn't want to put it away he keeps trying to <laughs> find ways to um prolong his experience in it because he loves it so much and he keeps bothering me about because it's it's a it's a one shot and he keeps bothering me about uh more pages and and uh continuing the series or you know continuing the story and so um we're uh i will say people that back the book right now it's, it's standing at about like 40 pages 
by the time you get it, it's probably going to be, you know, closer to 50. So, um, you know, it's working. Yeah. And we're not, we're not, you know, we're not changing the price for that. Like we just, we want to create the best book possible and we want to like create the most, um, you know, just engrossing, uh, timeless book we can so that when you get it you will read it and you hopefully won't be able to stop thinking about it so that's mm-hmm. that's really our goal for that's it awesome awesome cool. Nador, congratulations great seeing you again uh yeah. and good luck though it yeah thank like you it. so there you go <laughs> very right. excited to see you on the radio all right, there we go. I uh, guess I'll definitely be tu- tuning in for his podcast. You can check out the Fable offering on Kickstarter for the next three days as we are broadcasting this. Less, as I said earlier, later. We got one more guest for you this evening. Woo-hoo! Very excited to bring him in to talk about his project, The Arrival, which is currently also on Zoop. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Michael Primrose. Yay! Jason, welcome. Hey. Hello. Welcome. Hey. The thing that I think is, well, there's a lot of interesting things about this project, but one of the things that I think is really interesting is you've already got a book series, you've got a world fleshed out, and now you're venturing into comics for yeah. Lost Children of Andromeda with this Arrival book. Uh, what prompted that? What was interesting to you about expanding into graphic novels and comic books? Well, I used to draw draw comics when I was a kid. I don't draw anymore, but I used to draw comics when I was a kid. And so I would I would go back and forth between writing books, like handwritten novels and drawing comic books once I when I really got into Marvel and collecting cards and everything. So it's all I've always done both. Uh but uh 2050Z is 700 pages. Ooh. And I found people kind of wondering if they would commit to like an entire book from an author they've never heard of. And I watched, I mean, I know I have so many people in the indie comic space. I love reading comics. And I was like, I think a comic book is a great way to like get people into the story. And then I got obsessed with creating origin stories for every character (laughs) so that all the comics basically lead you into the book series. Oh, wow. Cool. Awesome. Now. Yeah. So the arrival is the first one. It features, Alistair Adams, the main character, um, but there's others. Well, to take a step back, and we'll get back to the comic in a second, can you give kind of a broad overview of what Lost Children of Andromeda is? Like, what makes it unique and different as a sci-fi world? I wonder. I mean, to me, it's because I'm influenced by so many genres. So, mm-hmm. like, you could take elements of, like, Blade Runner and Ready Player One and Ooh, nice. X-Men and a bit of Star Wars and you kind of smash it together with that kind of character development and uh, sweeping like visuals of Dune or the yeah. kind of the emotion of Interstellar. So I, I absorb and I watch and and I and I put it all into this very you know wow look uh, at that large novel. Um, so I, I think that's what makes it unique. Like my 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 perspective. Um, and the characters and how they use their abilities in the world. And um, yeah, what I love about it is that I was challenged to create it, to create it even more in an even more unique way than I think I started when I was, you know, when I was younger. Mm. I mean, I was gonna say in terms of creating it in a different way, 
this is the stupidest way of saying this, but prose is uniquely different from doing it in the graphic novel form. So how did that change how you approach the characters from a dialogue perspective, from a pacing perspective, et cetera? Uh, well, I would say this is my first like comic book I've written mm -hmm. and, you know, Crave directed the art. And so I don't know how I did. We'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that what I learned in the process was that there are things that can be left unsaid that I would have felt needed to be said in a novel mm -hmm. and that there were things that you completely miss that are visual, like that don't need to be explained that are completely visual. And um, when I went into it, I thought about it like a direct translation of uh, like a short story into a novel, into a, into a comic book script. But really, now that I look back at it, I think of it more like an adaptation where you purposely leave things out or add context, knowing how the whole event unfolds. You can add context in different ways visually that you can't do in a novel that only follows one character's perspective. Well, and so this is a, a sort of a prequel or origin story to the, yeah. the characters in the novel. So how does the how do the how does the comic and the novel sort of speak to each other? Uh, yeah, the comic the comic basically sets up the origin story of the main character. And so when you get to the novel, you'll see where the character is like some years later. So it really is a guide like, okay, this major thing happened. Now, if I wanna see what continues to happen or what happens to that character, I go to the novel. And so every character is going to get their own version of that. Um, they experience some major disaster along the apocalyptic timeline and that funnels them into a, oh, well, let's see where they show up in the book. What chapter, you know, who, whose side are they on? Um, what are they looking for? That kind of thing. Was this then, was this work that you did beforehand that didn't make it into the novel? Like, was it sort of character sketches and background material that you did? Or did you actually have to work backwards after you had created the novel to form the story of these graphic novels? So the, like these graphics that you see here are actually in the novel. So some of the concept art was done, but there were things that I worked with the artist to create this version of Alistair. The, the art styles are very different. The art in the novel is very different from the art in the comic. Um, and so we did work. I mean, that's like my favorite shot. I was like, okay, <laughs> no one knows disaster movies when the comet hits and then you see the thing and you're like, oh my God, what happened? That was literally, I was like, this shot is, I just every every disaster movie I've seen them all. I love it. <laughs> well, and I love the color tones. While we're on this page, uh, the color tones here, I feel like it's just such a beautiful page from that. Like really leaning into that. Why, why is it in sort of black, black, white, and, and gray? Yeah, we 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 worked on this kind of color scale for the black, white, and gray. It's a bit nostalgic because it happens in the past of the present, you know, of the of the novel. So I liked that it was black and white. I don't know if we'll do it for all of the stories because some of them I think need color. Mm -hmm. This one, the only real color is blue, mm -hmm. and we it, so that's the only color that would that would probably stand out um, in the story. Everything else is pretty, pretty like it's this color. 
Um, and we thought about adding blue in, but I was like, no, let's just let's just keep it this like nostalgic kind of noir vibe. What was it like welcoming a artist or even somebody <laughs> else into this process? Because you know, looking at your book for anybody who's listening to the podcast, it's a pretty thick book, which means you spent a lot of time and a lot of thought and it living in your head to suddenly bring somebody else in and then potentially have ideas of how things are going to look or how things are going to feel. What was it like letting go of that part? Oh, it's easy. I mean, <laughs> because I've collaborated with, like we did a soundtrack for the novel. Oh, There's cool. like an original score we did. So a composer did that. You know, we had the artists come and sing on it and write their own music and sing. And so there's art in the book. So I just give them a guideline and then whatever comes out is normally better than anything I could have imagined anyway. So um, that's great. So, yeah. And I actually have you have a printed version of. Ooh, oh, wow. Wow. So it's like it kind of hits different when you like see it. Yeah. yeah. The white cover. So you can see like how how crisp. Oh, uh, it looks great. I really Wait, do love that choice just to use the black, white, and gray. Yeah. I know we talked about that, but just very different. It actually makes it stand out very nicely. Well, and tell us how it feels to you as like a, a prose writer coming at your first comic and holding in your hands. Were you like, ah, like what was the moment like? I was like, oh my God, I want to do the whole book. <laughs> like, I want to do the whole thing. Um, it made me want to take every chapter of the novel and turn it into an issue mm -hmm. um but it really made me excited to you know like the next character i'm working on right now is florence and then i'll do lisa um and so it really just got me excited to write more of the write and produce more of the origin stories you know for That's the other awesome. characters um, I wanted to ask you about a bit of language that you've used in selling the book. And I, to be clear, I'm very complimentary about this. I love that you do this. But in the, on the Zoop page, you say you don't want to miss out on the first edition of the first comic in the next global sci-fi franchise. And that feels like a fair amount of ambition there. Um, yeah. Talk to me about that a little bit. How is this the next global sci-fi franchise? So funny. I actually had a strategy meeting with with a colleague uh -huh. of mine today mm -hmm. talking about like how many copies of everything that I would like to distribute, you know, in the next few years. And that has always been the vision, right? Is to be one of the largest global, um, one of the largest franchises in sci-fi globally. Um, there is to me nothing else out there quite like this, um, especially in sci-fi, right? The sci-fi fantasy genre. And um, so I just think that the more people read it, I haven't really gotten bad reviews from it. So I feel like the more people read it, it'll just catch on. I just need eyes on pages and it'll right. get there. I believe it'll get there. Even if it took me 30 years, it will get there. I love that. Yeah, That's awesome. Uh, that's there's some good, good positive think going on there. And, and it seems like you are already getting there because the Zoop is successful it is funded with the two yeah. days left so that's great so what's the plan then now that it is funded you've got the book in your hand seems like it probably should get out to backers relatively yeah. soon i think that it will be relatively soon uh we have to do like you know we have to change some of the formatting right so add thank you page and that may change the page count which means we may need to do like concept art in there or something else to help um with 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 honoring that four page thing, um, 
so we're planning to ship early, like uh, earliest, sorry, latest January, um, oh, but it could, could be ready much earlier because um, we're not dealing with like huge, huge quantities. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, it's good. It, this is my third Kickstarter, first time on a comic. I, I've crowdfunded two novels uh, for, nice. for much larger amounts, but um, comics are so, I mean, they're like so expensive. So. Are you already think? I mean, it sounds like you kind of are, but are you already thinking ahead to the next one at this point? Yeah, but I don't know when, I don't know when it's going to launch. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because... I started. I already started writing the the the, uh, the short story for the next character. Mm -hmm. This is probably like horrible, but I did try to plug in a section into ChatGPT, and I asked it to convert <laughs> it to comic book format. And while it didn't do a very good job, <laughs> do the formatting part for me. Mm -hmm. oh. Transfer it over, and then add in what I wanted to do. It did get the dialogue right, which was nice, um, <laughs> but it just it just reorganized the information in a way that I needed it to be organized, rather than me having to do it by hand. Mm. Um, so it was very interesting, yeah. So that may that may that may speed things up. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, but, it yeah. sounds like you're kind of using that the way it's supposed to be used. My, my work, write it for me. My work being yeah. mm -hmm. for me. Um, yeah, it's more of like a tool. Yeah, mm -hmm. because I want to be like, go oh, write the story for me. Um, but yeah, so those two titles I want to get out: uh, Lisa and Florence's origin stories. Then that that can be like a bundle. And those are basically the three main characters that you follow in the novel, anyway. So once you get those, you're you're off to the races. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Jason, this is so cool. Congratulations on yeah. all the success. Um, the book looks great. So fingers yeah. crossed. I really do want to see you make the other two. Yeah, thank you. Yes, it's available now. We have, I think, yeah, two days left. I, I really two days left in the sixteenth. Yes, yeah, uh, it's two days. Yeah, it, it says two days. So the numbers, right? Yeah, it's the fourteenth today. So you got it's two days. tomorrow. It's the fifteenth for me. It's one here. Uh, oh my oh, gosh! How late is it right now? Where are right. you? It's almost one a.m. I'm. I live in Lisbon now. Oh my wow, gosh, wow. Uh, Jason, thank you for coming on so late. I had no idea. I'm so yeah. sorry. We made you wait until the end. I feel bad now. All good. All good. Yeah. All right, Jason, congratulations again. Please go to sleep. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good luck. Enjoy Lisbon. All right, there we go. Uh, that is, as mentioned, going to be on Zoop for the next two days. It's called The Arrival. Looks amazing. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, it beautiful does. art. And folks, we're going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. Ooh. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch in the comments. That can be about absolutely anything. Hey. Meantime, since we're all rude dudes who are not doing Brett's drink, um, that's okay. He's off. Rude dude. Right now, so we'll he's not, yeah, he's watching the Marvels. The yeah, movie we've all watched. I did watch it. I did. Oh, really? Did. Yeah. Oh, okay. We got to tape a podcast about that, man. We, yeah, we should yeah. tape a podcast about that. <laughs> what are you drinking, guys? Uh, I'm drinking like a, I don't even remember what it's called. Like it's a modified Boulevardier, which had Ooh. most of the ingredients of Brett's drink, except for the Prosecco. Oh. So I felt like it was in, in the range. 
Nice. I mean, same. I did a Boulevardier-esque thing, but I used, um, instead of the sweet vermouth, I used a bergamot, uh, italicus bergamot liquor. Ooh. And it was very good. Very fancy. What about and you? I just, I just opened um, the Ooh, next. Sh- uh, champagne of beers. Yes. Nice. Uh, I had a Mountain Dew earlier. So I'm yes. still riding Well, high. we should probably mention this actually gets into our first question here from Stanley. Did Alex enjoy the Marvel screening? Does Pete like his new house? Mm-hmm. I did enjoy the Marvel screening. I've actually seen it twice. I saw it a second time with my oh, kids. Wow. We are going to tape a whole Marvel Vision podcast about it. Yes. We're just waiting we until we'll get into us saw it. Uh, certainly no argument, whatever, but Pete, this is your first show from your new house. Your first night that you're sleeping there. Yeah. I um, believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but a millionaire told you, if you sleep there the whole night, <laughs> you get his whole fortune. It's your right? house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If I make it through the night, I get to keep the place. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I literally just showed up here, uh, minutes before the show, uh, I'm going to spend my first night. Hopefully it goes well. Um, yeah. Can you like give cool. us the walking tour or walk the laptop around or what's the deal? Uh, I'm really plugged into the wall over here. That'll be very hard. Yeah. Uh, okay, Pete has an old time. school PC. It's like as big as. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Came with really, the house. Yeah. It works on punch cards actually. Also, here. I, I really want to try Vacuum to tube. set up my upstairs, uh, you know, and hopefully be broadcasting from there eventually so are you gonna have a nerd wall you're gonna set up a nerd wall pete oh yeah like all I'm... your fun coat pops and everything how like that's the thing is like pete you now have your own space up you have your forever home and yeah. so that's like a great yeah the, the what's gonna go into the nerd wall i mean that's gonna yeah, be... you gotta choose the nerd wall you gotta choose the spot where you're gonna die those are the two main things you gotta figure out <laughs> yeah well, hopefully uh, not the same spot you know you got I mean? an easy chair right because that's probably where you're going to die yeah, exactly. We're going to watch oh, cool. Pete evolve into uh, some sort of future person who doesn't leave that chair. Have you seen any g- 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 ghosts? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Well, oh, well I've seen a couple background. over the course of the show behind you. Yeah. I didn't want to say anything because of the interview, but please, I, I gotta please, say please. this is like a this is like a Mag- Mike Flanagan show in here. There's just like tiny little ghosts yeah. in the corner that keep popping up. Very yeah, the cute. fall of the house of LePage. <laughs> oh boy. Let's move on to another one. This is from Stray Beans. What do you think of Mark Millar's comments about attracting high-end talent to comics by offering creators a 50-50 split of revenue after a certain number of copies sold? So a little more background here. Mark Millar put up a thread on Twitter, slash X, whatever you want to call it. And he said this, basically he was like, the, the impetus for the chain was he had been apparently talking to some friends who told him that current rates for comics were about $90 a page for writers. I assume he's talking about writers, which is accurate. Rates have not changed probably for 30 years at this point. It's actually awful and reprehensible. He dropped a crazy bomb where he was like, back in the day, I used to get $1,000 a page. And I was like, what are you talking about? Um, But then his solution was like, listen, he's been on this bent of we got to get top tier creators back to comics. And that's the thing specifically by top tier creators back to comics. He means Marvel and DC comics. And his idea here is he was saying that most publishers, and apparently this is not true. I've heard since, but he was like most publishers, I think you get like a 2% royalty. He was saying on copies over 50,000 copies sold, which as we know, frankly, not a lot of comics sell over 50,000 copies. 
Yeah, and I would be surprised if that was real. You said that's right. not real. Uh, yeah, I think that's not exactly true of all publishers across the board, but that's what he was quoting. His idea is like, tell you what, what if we did a 50-50 split of profits past 60,000 copies? At which point I read that, and to be frank, I was like, this is Mark Millar talking about himself is what he's doing. He's like, we got to get top tier creators back to Marvel and DC and give them a lot of money to do that. That's him. He's talking about him. Is this Yeah, idea here. I, I think... Mark has had a quite a furlough into his own comics, the Netflix experiment that I think we could all say is maybe not working out as as well as he intended. Mm -hmm. Maybe now he's trying to make a swing back through uh, the big two publishers to see what he can gin up there. And like, it, it makes sense. If he could make that deal, I think that would be good for a lot of comic creators and it sure. would draw those people back. It would sort of, erase the ladder that i think we've all been enjoying from mm -hmm. a comic perspective where creators come up through marvel and dc and other comic publishers and then branch out and do their creator-owned books people like scott snyder james tynan like all these up-and-coming people who are now just making some of the best in creator-owned comics out there i mean i'd say on that note scott snyder had a really interesting post on his Substack newsletter responding to that where he was talking about where he's like first of all I never made a thousand dollars on a page rate he made a fair amount of money through royalties but he never got that page rate even when he was working on like Batman or Dark yeah. Knight's Metal or anything like that like that did not happen but his view was yes in essence the idea of hey let's get top tier creators and sell top tier comics in Marvel DC that's a great idea but he was saying exactly what you were saying, Justin, that there is a difference in the industry happening right now. And I'll take his points a little further that like, I think what Mark Malone is missing is the focus isn't necessarily on Marvel and DC. Like there's still market yeah. leaders 100%, but that's not, that's not where the money is. And that's not where creatively people's focus is. I think they've grown beyond that in certain ways creators have become smarter about advocating for themselves not just generating new ip for other companies through sub stacks through creator own work and frankly where the market is is not even the stuff we talk about it's not marvel it's not dc it's not even really image or dark horse or anything like that no it's tokyo pop it's viz yeah. it's scholastic it's that's the stuff that's actually selling and drawing people in and i i I don't know if he knows that. Like, I don't have it in front of me right now, but he followed it up, putting up his sort of like dream list of creators. And it was all like, for the most part, good creators, but it was things like uh, getting the, the weirdest one was Joss Whedon and John Cassidy on uh, some DC title. And I was like, you don't, you clearly don't know a lot of stuff or just ignoring it. <laughs> wow, that's funny. But the other one that he threw out there is like, you got to get John Byrne on Green Lantern. Nothing against John Byrne. I'd love to read a John Byrne Green Lantern title. That sounds great. That is not going to be a yeah. million. That's not a fire starter. Exactly. As it were. So this is a long way of saying it's like, I think a very old view on comics is what we're getting from Mark Millar here. Yeah. He's not wrong at subsets. Like you said, that'd be a great deal. And it, it, people should be paid more. Like the essence there is correct. The way he's coming about it, I think is wrong. 
Well, but I, I think also think like it, it's a cyclical thing. Like we got all that stuff when the MCU was just popping off. You started to get all those people cycling back through, and like I know we're in a uh, decidedly low point with the MCU, but I think there's going to be an upswing, and we'll get that again as it's coming through. And it'll same with the DC with all of the launch of the the dcu stuff in the next couple of years like we're going to get that big creators coming through mm-hmm. again. and if they have a more of a deal more power to them this is from pablo d martinez are you guys happy the actor strike is over i think i speak for all of us when i say absolutely not yeah Worth let's not. get these actors back on the picket line uh, i'm happy i'm a member of sag very excited that um we we won the deal that we got and the biggest thing like that doesn't mean that uh it's all fine and like since it ended everyone's back to work all of the movies and sequels that were already in production have maybe started to go back to work or some of them have but it what it really does is make everything sort of okay for next year january 1st will be there's a big reset happening in all of entertainment not to get too far into this but that is a little bit bad for everyone who works in it but it sets us up to at least be moving back into a workable place after six months of absolute chaos in the entertainment industry. Well, and the deal mostly seems really good. Like SAG won, which in yeah. all seriousness is great, and they should. And that all said, the contract needs to be renegotiated in three years, right? So it's we'll both all the contracts are three year cycles. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is a big big year in that the strikes were much larger than have ever happened before two unions striking at the same time never never really happens so like that it feels like the deal in three years will be like let's just figure this out we don't want to go through that again (laughs) but like as much as we say like the unions won it's like well the unions have to win like Mm -hmm. the whole point is uh, the reason we strike is because it's so far out of whack that we have to take extreme measures to just get back to a baseline of normalcy the amount of profits that the studios are and streamers are bringing in is so outsized to what regular people are taking home who work in these industries and we need to rewrite that ship and then just move forward regular you know 100 percent Edward Doherty says, does the Marvels actually represent a significant problem with the MCU in terms of box office and an overall awareness of what their audience will pay for? I'm sure we're going to get into this when we talk about the movie a Uh, little bit. So much to say. But um, I would argue, I don't think it's the Marvels is a significant problem for the MCU. I think the MCU right now is a problem for the MCU. And almost... Not any movie. Like, if you put a Spider-Man in the slot or you put an Avengers movie in the slot, it would have done great. But most movies of the level of the Marvels that you put in this release spot would have had probably very similar problems. Like, if you put... And, and mind you, I'd be happy to see any of these, but like a Shang-Chi 2 or something like that, or um, I'm trying to think through anything else, even like maybe Thunderbolts potentially, just because that doesn't have like necessarily the top tier in the same way. I think the MCU is in trouble right now. Like they are having problems getting people involved and invested in what they're doing. And that hit a critical mass with the Marvels. We've been talking about that all year. Like what is going to be this breaking point? Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania at the beginning of the year, clearly, like, did not perform the way that they wanted it to. It voted badly, and we kept talking about it on our podcast. We were like, 
What's going to write the ship? Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was an outlier because that credit went to James Gunn. But then everything else has been mixed response critically from fans in terms of viewers and box office. You're going to contradict me, Justin. Go ahead. I, I Well, I have a different take, but I'm, I'm curious what Pete has to say. Well, I also think that, like, the problem with the Marvels is there was no, you know, because of the strike and everything, there was no way to promote uh, the movie. It just kind of, like, was, uh, next week, Marvels is on. It was kind of like a, it mm. just felt like you know, there wasn't this kind of, they weren't able to build uh, up for it or let people know, at least. Here's what doesn't, I understand what you're saying, and I think, like, that could have contributed into it in some way. I think. I mean, having, I, I agree. I think that I'm a comic did. book fan, and I didn't know about this movie until like two weeks ago, for sure. And putting Brie Larson, Amon Vellati, and Tiana Paris, very charming people, out on the promotional campaign trail would have been great. Given it a couple more million dollars this weekend, but this is also a very specific case. But you look at two weekends before five nights at Freddy's which cost $20 million, made $80 million at the box office, also with nobody going out of the promotional trail. It's another IP. It's another property that people know, just like Marvel, and it did great. There are other things that have done great during the strikes. I don't think that's the... It is a reason, but it's not the only reason. Well, and here, my... Coming out of watching the Marvels today, like, I think it's just... Because I, I think the Marvels is a good movie, but it still is a Marvel formula movie. And I think they were just like, we can keep making these movies forever. And that's just wrong. Like they, they, when they finished Endgame, they should have realized, look, we need to re reinvent what this is. We need to find a new version of it. Cause we can't keep doing the movie where it's like shiny object, random villain heroes who we like come and get it. And that's it. Like, it's just, it's become it's what happens to a ton of genre westerns in the in the past in the mid 20th century and they go away because they be, they lose their originality and i think the mcu just had they felt like they broke the machine and they didn't they won the machine and then they went back and tried to just do the same thing again and you can't fool audiences they they lost their audience because they didn't respect them for knowing that they'd seen this story before, despite the fact that the actors are good, the stories, some aspects of them are interesting, but it's just too similar to what's come before. I, I think the short answer is there's a lot of different factors that we could talk around. Ultimately, I, I think they got to do some soul searching. They have to do some. Like, it sounds like they already have, but this is the final canary in the coal mine right now in terms of whatever they're doing going forward. I don't think they've already pushed stuff back. Deadpool three is the only movie coming out next year. They also got that'll crush. Maybe they yeah, that'll crush. But that's the same way like, the Guardians crush because that was a swing. Deadpool was a swing when it came out, and they're still riding on that momentum. Mm -hmm. They'll finish these movies. But I think Deadpool three is going to be credited to Ryan Reynolds, who is like a golden boy right now. Everything he touches turns to gold. I don't think that given that there are also three Sony Marvel movies are being released and the general public is like, Oh, Marvel that's Deadpool three venom, Madam web and Craven the Hunter. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the break that they need it to be. 
they got to figure no. something else out. No, and they will. And like to the to Edward's question about the box office, this box office was like truly devastating. Just to be clear, mm-hmm. like the forty-seven million I think it made in the weekend is an yeah. absolutely devastating number. So um, they know they're in crisis point. They're going to have to have a full like admission of guilt, full reset. But I do think they know they can figure this out and they just need to be more original and move forward. I think Marvel is done. I think we're never going to see another no. Marvel movie. We're going to see think all the comics stuff. are done. I think if there's any video games, they're going to cancel them. And I think frankly, president Biden is going to go house to house, burning any comics and DVDs that you have. Yeah. That's, that's what he wants to do. Him and Scorsese <laughs> Scorsese is after your comics. I'm going to get that guy. Killer is the flower moon. I'll kill his flower moon. Oh, boy. Joshua Wright says, any comic reading rituals? Favorite spot? Certain reading order? Drink slash food? Ooh, great question. Well, it used to be I would go to Subway. Uh, I would go get my comics and then go to Subway meatball sandwiches, sub. get the meatball sub, mm-hmm. uh, and just uh, sit there and let the world walk by as I uh, page through my uh, magical entertainment books. <laughs> and then and then life just got worse i guess life cut Justin, what about you any rituals uh i mean it, it, i to to Pete's point it has changed i read most of my comics digitally now so that's different i i like that um and i'm getting them in more bits and pieces like pete i used to just like work my way through a stack or read on the subway my life's changed i'm not commuting anymore really working from home mostly so it's ipad coffee out of my home thermos and i'm moving from room to room uh avoiding the loud people in my family <laughs> i think the this is gonna sound very dorky and you guys are gonna make fun of me but uh, yes. you put on your batman pajamas and <laughs> you get your flashlight no no, no i usually have what my wife calls uh she passes by what i'm doing is just like oh candle time are you having candle time candle time <laughs> what <laughs> well because i i don't so I'm reading it on my laptop because we're reading digital comics and I like to like just put out a candle and relax. You know, oh my out. God. I can't believe you're admitting this to us. You're going to get roasted forever about this. <laughs> candle time with Alex Albert. Let's release candle the time. podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. This is from Between Magic confession. and <laughs> Between Magic and Dreams. It's my first time watching. Do you guys focus heavily on indie comics? First of all, thank you for watching. We appreciate it. That is awesome. Welcome. Uh, And the answer is yes, I think. Uh, You know, definitely in terms of the interviews, we always try to have people on like we did this episode with Kickstarter and Zoop and other crowdfundings as much as possible. If we see a project and we think it's cool, Love to have them on. We also have our Stack podcast, which gets posted every week. And as much as possible, we try to throw non-Marvel and DC stuff in there. A lot of times that's like Image, Dark Horse, Oni, IDW, etc. Those are sort of like the mainstays. But whatever we can throw other stuff in there that we get in advance, we absolutely do. Is that a fair answer, guys? Yeah, definitely. Uh, We love to read it all. It's from Edward Doherty. Do you think Stephen Root should play Pete in a CBC movie? <laughs> Pete, uh, you, how do you feel about that? Oh, uh, yeah. Huge fan. Great. And are we talking Stephen Root from like Office Space or Stephen Root from Barry? 
Ooh. Either way, it's still dark and uh, a little creepy, which I enjoy. I do want to call you the Raven from now on. Is that cool? Oh, uh, please do. What candle sense are we talking about? I don't really yeah. care about the candle sense so much as just like the you glow of the candle because again, like don't I don't care. Like, I don't love bright light, so having like a dim, calming light is nice for me. A fucking wow. Nosferatu over here just reading his comics by doesn't care about the sense. All right, he's got a candelabra in one hand. <laughs> Wearing my night. my frilly white one piece nightgown. Wandering the halls, reading my comics. This is from Polar Nights as a barber. I love this show. It's uh, like the perfect <laughs> evolution of beard growth. Thank you, Polar Nights. Beautiful. I just clipped down. I, my beard was legit out of control up until yesterday. Huh. And I think I'm going to have to shave it all off for um, a job I'm doing this weekend. What? So I'm going to look different on Tuesday. Wow. Ooh. We won't look like the same white guy. <laughs> Michael Tillman wow. says, "Can last week absentee hosts give their notes on last week's show?" I guess that's just me. Yeah, honestly, I think you guys did a great job. I, I know, wow. I know, Michael probably wants me to tear into you, but what I listened to of the show, I think you guys did a really solid job. Oh, boo. What could you possibly say? You didn't listen, you asshole. Otherwise, you wouldn't say that. No, I I do like a spot check of the stuff before yeah. I put it up for sure. Um. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I did listen to like I did my spot check and what did I did. You heard, listen to all of the weekend geek? Uh, nope. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, that's good. That? No, 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 I was good. Yeah, yeah don't go back. No <laughs> that I just put up at that point. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get this good. Stuff well, up. then whoever listened to it, don't tell Alex about uh, anything. anything. Okay, <laughs> I just had some fun. Uh, hey, in your new house, Pete, what about your Punisher shrine? The slippers, etc. Oh, Edward Doty, great call. Oh, the shrine is intact. To move a shrine, it has to be covered in darkness uh, on all possible angles. Uh, but it is transported with care. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, and just to be clear, let's for those of you that maybe don't know, Pete's Punisher Shrine was a something he brought to our live shows for like a solid decade. And mm -hmm. it was a pair of slippers, a hat some other random stuff and we found out eventually a secret punisher quiz was also right. inside the slipper wild right yeah i did a lot of weird layered things and didn't tell anybody are there That's more true things? about you there... across the board my guy are there other things we haven't yet discovered pete oh yeah <laughs> Oh my God! He just means yeah. the body of one of the booth men who. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony the booth man who came been... on our show and then became famous. Anthony Marquez, you've been weekended producing him for the past couple of years. Uh, Kevin says, if you had one wish for comic superhero film and television, what would it be? Uh, for me, it boils down to two words: get weird. <laughs> I I feel like the Marvels did this to some degree, but like be weirder and different. The whole MCU project was started as let's do genre storytelling with a comic book lens. And they just got so far, they formalized that. And I feel like if you just jump back and get into it, there's an issue that we're going to talk about in the stack, a uh, Peach Momoko issue that, that comes oh. out this week for Star, a Star Wars. Oh, dude. Star Wars Visions comic. And I'm like, that's, that's the, the biggest example of like, do, do interesting storytelling. Like yes. This. Dude, 
it's the future of comic books, dude. It's all art, no words. Just oh, it's on <laughs> fucking. Oh my god! If they could do, if they could do like no pages as well, chef kiss. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Just thought expressions. From yeah, the, I just want a comic book writer to blow a handful of dust into my face and be like, enjoy. <laughs> this is from Pablo. Again, I saw something out there that said Paramount is being bought by Warner Brothers Discovery. What do you think? Bad. I think that's bad if that's true. I don't think uh, that's true, but... Well, there's a lot of speculation. Yeah. The streamers will eventually consolidate to some degree in the next couple of years. It's, I think it's inevitable because none of them are making the amount of money that their parent companies want them to. But uh, it's probably bad across the board. Yeah. Sorry if you already have, but did you all talk about the TVMA Echo trailer? I believe you guys did on yes. Week and Geek. We did. Any... Uh, quick, like one sentence reactions. Looks amazing. I'm so excited for it. Um, I'm very surprised by it. It's much more intense than I thought it was going to be. And but the trailer's great. There's been a lot of negative press conversation about Echo, but like I think we have to ignore all of that all the time now. Uh, also about the Marvels. If you're if if the bad box office or anything, so there's a screaming child above me. But that <laughs> child loves the MCU. Yeah, that yeah. child is like Echo. Yeah, gonna watch all five. Rooting episodes. for Kingpin, that child. Oh man, that's a, yeah. That me too. Me too, kid. Yeah, that's a young Pete LePage. Uh, <laughs> hey, watching my kids for me, man. Full Pete sociopath. Yeah, uh, but what I was saying is that I think uh, if if the bad box office is holding him back, don't like. I would say put that aside. Go see the stuff that interests you, and like. We haven't re reviewed it yet fully, but like I think the Marvels is one of the the better versions of the MCU movies mm. in the last several years. Interesting. Ooh. Nelson Kelso says, "Have you guys seen the trailer for Merry Little Batman coming to Amazon?" Thoughts? I have. I don't know if you guys what? also it today. Yeah, no, it came out today. Super fun. Uh, I love the animation style. It feels like vintage Red and Stimpy era Nickelodeon to me. Ooh. Very yeah. into it. Seems fun. Yeah, Pete, are you on top of this? This is um a, a written by a New York uh, comedy person. Oh uh, yeah, Morgan Morgan Evans, former New York, now L.A. But uh, yeah, good old L.A. Evans. I'm gonna try. Yeah, gonna yeah try super song. fun. I think you're gonna be super into it, Pete. I'm excited to check that out. Seems like a good family film. Frederica Rosa says, do you guys think there's burnout with comic movies? I feel like a while for a while, everything revolved around it, that maybe people have an annoyance with the subject now. Yes. <laughs> but I, he, the only thing I don't like about that is the stereotype of like all comic movies are bad. Then it's like, no, or projects even. And it's like, no, the formulaic expected ones are not good. The original interesting ones are good. Like there's a show coming out this week based on a comic to Netflix called Scott Pilgrim takes off. And that's going to be dope. Like mm -hmm. it's going to not, it's not going to, there should be no burnout associated with that. And that's a comic book property. Why are we, we can't lump them all together. Yeah. And well, and even in terms of the films, like thinking back through the past year, 
It's like, ooh, total burnout with comic book movies, but Guardians of the Galaxy was good. And also Blue Beetle was good. And also the Marvels was very fun. And also Doom Patrol was fun. And Invincible is fun. And Gen- and in the, like the list goes on. It's there 100% is burnout from casual fans or people who just weren't that interested in it, but felt an obligation to go anyway. But there's still good stuff. It comes down to if you are making good things, people will watch it and be interested in. But we are now past the era, which where anything with a superhero will draw people to it. That's what we're past. And that's okay, actually. Maybe this is not, we're not at a point to look back on it yet. But I think I would like to pinpoint that Quantum Mania is the one where it was like, oh, you're sort of insulting us with this. Like, the tone is wrong. The tone is sort of like, yeah, you'll watch anything. It was a little bit making fun of us, the viewer, and the way that it was made. And it didn't really honor a lot of stuff. The actors were good, and some of the performance in in the midst of it was good. But, like, the whole story was sort of like, yeah, you're going to see this. And that, I think, the dismissiveness of that is where the burnout is coming. Well, and uh, frankly, I mean, I'd throw, not to just lump on the MCU, but I think, again, general viewers are like, superhero. They don't care if it's Marvel or DC or anything like that. Just look at his superhero stuff. You also had a string of DC things that people hated and and or just did not see whatsoever. So... I, th- I think that all ba- bands together to be like, well, this isn't necessary to see anymore. And that's why things like Killers of the Flower Moon are making like hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office because people are leaving superheroes and they're going back to adult movies at the theater with their wives and husbands. Nah. Well, I guess we'll see about that. No, we're I mean, not. I- that also isn't doing well at the box office. But no. I-, I think like there's this prevailing sentiment from film snobs of like, once we get rid of superheroes, people will go back to watching adult movies. And that's also not true. They'll just see things that they want to see that seem interesting. And that's it. Uh, real quick. I don't know if you've seen that Anthony Marquez. Is no, I, I do want to bring this up. Anthony Marquez says, I love the show. Hey! And I love being a birdie for Pete. That's so <laughs> funny. You, Anthony. Anthony's the man. He is the man. And he has a question here as well. Thoughts on DC's compact comics announcement. If there will be any real impact of putting them in a format affordable price, testing waters to move away from periodicals. So if you don't know about this, DC next year, I think it's in June, is releasing a line called Compact Comics. These are not necessarily manga size. They're a little like half an inch larger or something like that. They're $9.99 and they include collections of just classic runs watchman is in it uh you got all-star superman is in it uh excitedly all of far sector is in it all 12 issues and other things these are not black and white they're full color reproductions of the comics and they promised that it's not just shrinking it down so you know you're going to get the lettering looks right the graphics look right etc etc i think this is great This is so smart to make something that is an affordable price that you're like, oh, yeah, I can just grab this and grab this on my shelf. You get a lot for it, which is great. 100%. This is such a smart move. I I don't know if it will... I, I don't think they're testing the waters to move away from periodicals. I think 
they're just trying to move into the manga market like we were talking about yeah. earlier in the show that is so much huger, huger than what dc has and dc has always been very smart and forward-thinking in terms of the bookstore market in terms of trades and graphic novels and this is just i think another very smart move from them go to where the eyeballs are it's just mm -hmm. they know they have good stories take your best stories put them where people are buying stories in this genre easy easy yeah. to do well and it's it's um frankly it's like more of a casual buy being like oh that's less than 10 bucks yeah i'll try that i'll pick that up for the amount of comics that i'm getting here versus getting a trade collection that's going to be 15 20 for six issues it's a very different thing this way you can pick up all of all-star superman all of batman hush i think it's batman hush volume one uh but regardless like all of these great runs there's stuff there that I've never read that I'll definitely pick up. I, I think it's such a smart move, and I hope they kick, uh, keep with it. And I hope um, I hope people pick it up. And last thing before we wrap up here, Quarter Kick says, I've been here too long not to hear Pete say <laughs> super tight bananas. Missed my dinner for this. Pete, oh, take me away. Corner super, Kick is still hungry. Super tight bananas. Ah, uh, we did it. Really beautiful. How about Pablo uh, D. Martinez? I miss the shrine so much. Oh, Pablo. Oh. Wow, what a you mean good the smell show for Pete. The dusty smell. Of hey, how dare you? I've said numerous times I've had it professionally cleaned. I know. <laughs> that sound like he doth protest too much. You know what I mean? All right. That's why don't we move it's a shrine on? Stink. Why don't we move on to you know, our next section, which is trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete LePay. All right. Five free dollars to Midtown Comics online. Because if you had 25 bucks, you can go get some comics. Uh, yeah. yeah. Who wants it? Get in there. Corner kick. Where are you at? You, you know, get first hand up or a uh, volunteering of Pablo, you know, whatever, uh, really, whoever's really looking. Uh... Did Pablo just do it last week? He did do it last week. Oh, okay, well then. Uh, and just to mention Pablo, he sent us an email being like, hey, I didn't get my gift card. That's on Midtown Comics, man. That is not on me, but I'll, wow. I'll check into it for you. It takes a little while to get the gift card. Exactly. Right? I don't know why it takes them, honestly. Ooh, Corner Kick says me. Here we go. Yes. All right, Corner Kick. Let's make this dinner missing worth it. All right. Here a new we go. dinner at Long John Silver. Oh, yeah, that's right. We could also offer you a Long John Silver if you would like. All right, today's trip is on comic book facts and a small nod to the legend Matthew Perry, R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Full question. What? Is it Fool's Rush In? Is that your secret movie? Oh, you fucking... <laughs> what about Wagons East? Could be Wagons East. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Question number one. Which <laughs> badass moment actually happened to Hulk? Is it A, becoming God of Thunder? B, he thunderclapped 80 miles away from Zalbs, so only felt a slap across his Cornelian face. Or is it C, wow. Joanne? No, yes. I mean, all the no, yes, crazy name. Yeah, all could I mean, be true. All I mean, these could be true. I guess we'll find out. This is really tough. 
Uh, yeah, we'll don't overthink what... it. Just think to yourself, A is the correct answer, and it's also the first one that should pop in. Well, and also, when you think it, you also have to type in an A into the comment section. Yeah, you yeah. You can't yeah. just think it. You can't just think it. You're right. Good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Why don't we assume they said A, and then we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. There Question number two in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 132, written by uh, Sophie Campbell. Who visits the turtles? Is it A, a force ghost splinter, B, a dude who is way too into horror movies, or is it C, Johnny Gore? Um, there's already an A in here from Corner Kick. I don't know if it's a residual A from an earlier answer, but. Is it A? I it think is it's a good. wow. Yeah. There we go. I think Quarter Kick has figured this out. I think so. Yeah. I think Quarter Kick, quarter kick is a cack. Quarter Kick, great kick. First off, second, hack the system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout outs to Corner Kick. All right, here we go. Last one. Question number three in Godzilla versus Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number one. Who does Godzilla fight? Is it A. Dragon Zord, B. Gary the Gargonzola? Or C, Gary Gold. <laughs> wow. Justin, did you figure out how to switch us just now? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just doing trivia. Um, quarter Kick has said A. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> nice. All right, uh, there we go. Kick quarter Kick, shoot it. us. <laughs> I hate this. Uh, quarter Kick, shoot us an email and we will get you. <laughs> we will get you a twenty-five dollar gift card to Midtown Comics. Hey Pete, what was the secret movie that you were hitting? Oh, at? it's so uh, funny that you asked that. I was talking about the two thousand double rom-com, The Whole Nine Yards. Oh, Whoa! twist a maroon. Here's I will say, twist. I think we said all of the movies that could, it could have been. I, it now. was. I wrote in. I was definitely going to do Fool's Roaring In, and then I was like, no, no. Whole Nine Yards is better. Wow. It, it is a good movie. That is a yeah. good movie. Thank Why you don't we talk it. about what new comic books are coming out this week? What are you guys looking forward to? Pete? Oh, my God. Um, Star Wars Visions, Peak Mocha, number one. Lotus Land, number one. And also Ooh. Detectives Comics, 1077. Mm-hmm. Justin, what wow. about you? What are you looking forward to? A lot of picks there. Um, I gotta say, uh, I also enjoyed the Peach Momoko book. Oh. Uh, I think we, uh, I mean, Danger Street number 11, bringing Tom King's uh, series to an penultimate. Close, uh, penultimate book. But I want to shout out Green Lantern number five, a book that, you know, the we've sort of, it sort of was like, a lot of table setting and this issue i think is one of the best hal jordan issues to come out since uh jeff john's original uh takeover of the book it's a huge hal jordan issue if you're a fan so def check it out well i'll tell you what what you're saying is ridiculous but the the backup story is amazeballs interesting well we'll talk about it more I'm going to give a shout out to Superior Spider-Man number one. Love oh, that era. You. I'm very excited to see how they're going to bring that back. Also, uh, Carnage number one, because we talked to Torin Gronbach, the author oh at yes. Comic-Con. So great. And her excitement was very infectious for that. Let me also shout oh, out yeah. The Forged number six from Image mm, Comics. Yeah. Uh, this book is wild, and it's just 
it's a wild build to this issue, but like definitely worth the read through. And this issue is so plus dope. the art. The art's very good. I would say it's worth it for the art alone. There you go. Oh, That's yeah, it is your catchphrase. Mm -hmm. All right, folks. That is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Wells Thompson for coming on. Check out Depths yeah. on Zoop for the next week De and change. Also, Nandor Fox Schaefer for coming on to talk about the Fabled yes. Offering. That's on Kickstarter right now. Jason Michael Primrose for talking about The Arrival, which is oh, also man, on Zoop. Next week, Jordan Thomas is going to be here to talk about The Man from Maybe. Nicholas Tana to talk about E-Junkie. And Sarah Kuhn to talk about Archie Comics' Darkling is coming back. Bunch of podcasts we have. Scott, Scott Pilgrim versus the podcast. Scott! Scott, <laughs> the anime is coming out this Friday. We got episodes that are coming uh, out for you almost daily about that. Very excited about that. Comic yes. Book Club News, our daily podcast where we give you comic book news. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. We just finished up talking about Loki, and I'm sure we'll have more to come. Podvincible, our Invincible podcast is ongoing for the four episodes of that show. And the Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast. We finished up talking just about the entire ended. series so check that out that is all there patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do don't forget to subscribe on apple android spotify or the app of your choice at comic book live on twitter slash x comic book club live on instagram comic book club live on tiktok comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time good night watch out for those sex ghosts <laughs> later <laughs>